is Multinew Media. Hi there, everybody. I'm Chase Raz, your host for this show known as Multinew Media, and hopefully for a part of your journey through business and technology. Recently, we have not been keeping to much of a publishing schedule. This show is designed to run weekly or thereabout, and we've been a few weeks in between the last couple of episodes. One of the reasons for this is distraction, and that's actually the topic of our show today, digital distraction. Now, of course, we're just being cute and lumping it all in a boat called digital, but what is the difference between having a natural distraction that we face all of the time, such as working on a project and thinking about what you're going to have for dinner later and then coming right back to your project. What's the difference between that, that natural process, and an unnatural, or as we're calling here, a digital distraction? Now, these distractions don't necessarily have to be digital. For instance, with us on the show, we're being distracted by some of the business processes that we're putting in place for our operation. Throughout a number of our episodes, we talk and try to provide tips, tricks, and recommendations for improving your own professional life and even your personal life in terms of business and technology. We're simply trying to mirror that process and take our own medicine, so to speak. But as we go along, we get distracted by many things that come up throughout the day. A project that's supposed to take maybe a day becomes two or three days. A project that takes a week suddenly is sitting on the shelf for over a month before we scratch our cumulative heads and say, what exactly happened there? A lot of times, we find that the culprit is distraction. It's not forgetting about the project. It's not the technical inability to complete the project. It's all of the different things that we as professionals, that we as human beings in the modern world, have to split our attention in order to address. Translate these types of problems into your personal life, and you know exactly what we're talking about. Questions that you ask yourself, like, wasn't I supposed to paint that wall, or didn't I already do the dishes? Why are there so many still stacked in the sink? These types of questions are sometimes answered by us simply forgetting, but the deeper reality that we all know and often ignore is that we weren't too lazy, we didn't forget, we did have enough time, we simply got distracted. Priorities and time management can be saved for another day. Today, in this episode... Let's start a conversation on distractions and what we can do to avoid as many of them as possible. So again, today we're talking about digital distractions and we all know what that means. We really ought to start with the 800-pound gorilla, email. It's the 800-pound gorilla because it can do what it wants when it wants. Or more technically, people can send you what they want when they want. There's no guarantee that a spam filter is going to filter every possible distraction and annoying or unwanted inconvenience out of your inbox. It's just not going to happen all the time. So if we start with email and then move into a couple of different areas in our digital lives, we can come up with a few tips, tricks, and techniques for managing our distractions. Email specifically has a limited number of options, but I think the first thing that you can really truly do to make an impact is take a day or a portion of a day and simply unsubscribe. Now, at Multi New Media, we don't currently have a mailing list, and we will put one in place in the future. 
So I'm not suggesting that you go and unsubscribe to absolutely everything. There are companies out there that send me maybe a little more email than I'd like. Then again, there are other companies that don't send me enough. But there are companies that send me the right amount or more email or less. That doesn't matter. However, I do want to receive those messages. In no way would I suggest that you go and unsubscribe from those types of emails. But everything else, and you know what I'm talking about, look at the bottom and click on subscribe. Now, okay, there's a few caveats. Let's talk about safety here for a moment. If I'm going to send you email and I want to spam you, you already know some of the nasty methods I'm going to use to verify that your address is a real address that goes to a live person. That unsubscribe button at the bottom can be one of those tricks. Just like I may embed some type of image, and when you display pictures, I understand that the email that I sent to you has been read. In the same way, that link at the bottom to unsubscribe may not be exactly what it seems. So, if you know you're subscribed to something and trust the company, that unsubscribe button may be the best option to, to go with. What do you do if not? What if you get a one-off mailing? You don't know if that unsubscribe button leads you anywhere remotely even safe or secure or will actually unsubscribe you or just get you more mail. In this case, go ahead and block the sender. Worst case scenario is they use multiple addresses or multiple different techniques and still get to you other ways, but at least for the legal mail, simply unsubscribing is a good enough step to start. But what about the mail you do want to still receive despite its capability of being quite distracting? This is where I really would recommend creating some folders and some rules to automatically move certain messages that you know you're going to get, that you're okay getting, and that you want to continue to receive. Move those to a particular folder. If they're of a certain importance, add some additional rule on where it plays a special sound or, I, I don't know, you can get creative from there. But moving these types of emails to a specific folder as they're received by a system rule either on the server or in your email client servers of course better why because it's processed no matter what email client you're using but that's not always a possibility but the point is by moving these emails over you remove the chance from being distracted from your inbox we all know the story client vendor somebody sends you an email you're on the phone you're on instant message they reference that email you quickly go to pull it up uh-oh you're now distracted by the 47,000 other emails in your inbox in fact, it's so common, I don't even feel I need to sell this one anymore. Email can be super distracting. Unsubscribe from the things you don't want. If you don't trust the unsubscribe button because of the source, block the sender. And if you do want to continue receiving email, but can find those emails that you're receiving distracting, create special folders and rules so that everything gets conveniently funneled into a place that you can review at your leisure. Alright, so that's email in a nutshell. I hope I didn't glance over the technicals too much because by now I'm thinking everybody's had a lot of familiarity with email and knows how to do things like create rules or so on and so forth. If you don't, remember, go to multinewmedia.com, check out the episode page for episode 49. That's what the comment box is there for. Make a post, let us know, give us some feedback, and me, one of the other hosts or member of the community, will try to get back to you. Alright, so with that said, let's move on to social media. Social media is probably what you would have thought I would say the 800-pound gorilla is, but I still think that's email. Now, if I were to pull up Facebook really quickly, and here it is, I have a couple of things that just pop out at me immediately. Picking on Facebook here instead of Pinterest or Twitter, but they're all pretty much the same. It's just that Facebook is extremely good at presenting distractions. 
Not only is the timeline ultimately distracting, but all of the columns that sit to the right on the page, at least at the time of recording, are made to distract you, to pull you in to engage in different ways, to create and respond to events, to manage your pages, which, believe it or not, is actually what we're typically there to do as business people, and we get distracted by all of the other elements, the game recommendations, the notification updates, the advertisements, all of these things pull us in so many directions. Speaking of that happening, there's a a notification popping up on Facebook as you hear the noise in real time as I'm recording. So many different things pull us in different directions, but we simply want to accomplish one activity. So let me start with Facebook since I'm already here. If you click on anybody you're friends with, I suggest that you unfollow them. Now don't panic. Every time I tell people that, they panic and they say, but I've heard you don't want to unfriend people. Be very, very clear in what I said that I'm not ever suggesting that you unfriend people. Your network is your network. Unfriending people often comes across as trivial, trite, vindictive, petty, and you can keep going with that list. I'm suggesting that you unfollow. This means that their posts don't show up in your timeline. Now, to the best of my knowledge and in my personal experience, unfollowing people is a person-by-person sport. Uh, If anybody happens to know of a better way of doing this or has written a script for it that is not malicious, please reach out at feedback at multinewmedia.com to let us know. But if we go on a uh, one-by-one basis for each of the people that we're connected with, for instance, I'll pull up my mom's profile page. On my mom's profile page that I'm connected, it gives the little check mark and says we're friends, but directly to the right of that, if you're on the desktop interface, it gives op- options to either message uh, this individual, in this case my mom, or to follow or not follow her. And there are several different options under following. We can follow uh, what's called default, meaning see all posts in our timeline. We can choose to see first, meaning anything that this person posts should be at the top of our newsfeed. Or we can unfollow that individual. Now, of course, I'm talking about my mom's profile here. I'm not going to unfollow my mom. I'm probably going to promote her to see first. I want to know what she's doing on Facebook. I want to be able to connect with someone so close. But for most people in my network, no matter how much I like these people, no matter how often I work with these people, whether they're direct coworkers, whether they're some of the best friends I've ever had, I unfollow them. Now, that sounds cold, but I'll loop back in a moment and explain how it all works out in the end. But what you need to know right now is that by unfollowing a vast majority of your Facebook network, you can free that timeline up like you never thought possible before. Tied in with the suggestion to unfollow people on Facebook, I would also suggest using lists. At the time of recording on the main desktop web browser interface for Facebook, you can access lists by going to the left-hand navigation menu while you're on Facebook, the one that's almost always persistently there, and clicking on the header that says Friends. Just click on that header or click the More button that appears to the right when you highlight over, and you'll be taken to a page that categorizes all of your friends by several pre-made lists that are automatically generated by Facebook. On the top of that page, however, there's a nice button that says create list. One of my best suggestions that I can give, especially after unfollowing people on Facebook, is create customized lists of groups of people. For instance, myself, I have a list for family that I've built myself and I don't rely on Facebook to use the 
um, the automatically generated one. So I have one for family, friends. A, I have a business list, a coworkers list, a list of students, a list of high school. For, the lists go on and on. And, and you, I can imagine yours will probably be quite intensive as well. I even have some specialized lists like in what I call an inner circle, meaning it takes people from all of these different lists and put them in a unique view. Now, if you make these lists, they are accessible from that friends group in the left-hand navigation pane, but you can also pin them to your favorites on Facebook, which again is also in that left-hand navigation, but it's always at the top of the navigation menu. So I take my most important lists, I create them, I populate them, and then I move that list to my favorites. So my timeline is pretty much blank, except for the people that I do want to hear from every single day or as much as possible. From there, I just drill in by list, friends, family, business, coworkers, and so on, for what specific information I'm looking for at that time. Most of the time, though, in the professional world, we're probably not on Facebook unless we're networking. We're not on Facebook to look at other people's pages or posts. We're probably there to manage our own pages. While that's a topic all in and of itself, Limiting the amount of clutter and distractions on the timeline on Facebook can really be beneficial. By letting you focus in on exactly what you're doing, you can get on Facebook, get off of Facebook, and that's good for us. Now, I'd be remiss in my duties as host if I didn't point out that, of course, Google is known for its lists, which are called circles, and they really help to popularize the idea. But the reality is... Google Plus isn't all that important in the social media landscape. I know, I know, I know. Don't don't send me flame emails. I know there are exceptions. But by and large, Google Plus is pretty much irrelevant outside of certain industries and certain segments. With that said, let me just pick on one more social media and social networking property to um, sort of highlight. And I'm going to choose Twitter for that because, again, as business people, Facebook and Twitter are where we spend a lot of our time by default. Even if there are better networks for reaching our target demographics, we're probably also on Facebook and Twitter as well simply because those are the critical mass social networks. So with Twitter, I also advocate using lists. Now, I have not gone so far as to manage my Twitter account as much as my Facebook account. And anybody who's following me there, you can kind of figure out why. I use Twitter in the same ways that everybody else uses Twitter. I interact with companies. I air grievances. I compliment people on uh, things that I've seen online. It's a very informal Twitter-esque style use uh, of the service that I particularly, uh, particularly engage in as well. But even that type of laid-back interaction can become overwhelming. It's difficult to manage all of the incoming and outgoing messages. So I really do think that utilizing the list feature on Twitter is just as good, if not better, than directly following people. So let me pull up Twitter for just a moment. And I'm again, I'm going to go through the browser uh, on, a, on a desktop. And that's primarily because I don't necessarily recommend trying to do a lot of your social media management from a mobile device. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that, but it's it's mainly because those applications are um, much more made for end users. Even if they do have some of the business functionality built in, they, they really are made for end users. And if you have logged into um, Twitter, the way to get to list at the time of recording is to go to your profile picture on the upper right of the page. Um, that area for your account management, 
when you highlight over that picture or click it, it one of the menus on the uh, currently existing drop-down menu will be called Lists. So not getting super creative with the naming, also called List, just like it is on Facebook. Once you click on Lists, it gives you quite a lot of information of what lists you're subscribed to, what lists you're a member of, meaning that other people have added you uh, into a list that they've created, and so on and so forth. I really like the idea, and I'm personally starting uh, and professionally starting to get into the management of lists more and more. Speaking of distractions and notifications, um, getting into the idea more and more of creating lists, and furthermore, not following as many people. Now, this is kind of contentious in a way, because what I tell you, um, let's say for the multi-new media uh, Twitter account, would I be okay knowing that you, someone that listened to the show and is valuable as a part of our community, what if you chose to not follow us on Twitter? Well, of course, it'd break my heart, and I, I would recommend you go out and follow Multi-New Media on Twitter. We are at Multi-New Media. Sorry for the shameless plug. But what if you really wanted to avoid the distractions and didn't want to see us in that timeline, if you didn't want to see us in your in your feed, I think it's perfectly fine to create a list just like we were doing on Facebook to try to be able to remove a lot of the content to make it one click away to where we have to go into a particular list of people in that case, of Twitter accounts in this case, and to be able to say, no, this is what I want to look at at this time. To me, that's just good management. Now, would I really like for you to follow multi-new media? Absolutely. But what if that's not something you're prone to do for multi-new media or for any other organization or person? I'd really suggest that you start looking into the use of lists. A nice way to not clutter up your feed very much, but to still get access to see who's saying what at what time when you want to call that information up. This really, truly is all about taking back control of the information that you're getting in. You should be aware that on Twitter specifically, there are some downsides to utilizing lists um, only really when you unfollow the person as well. So if you are going to unfollow um, someone on Twitter and move them to a list, you should be aware that that's going to impact things like direct messaging and all of that. But um, that's pretty well known and, and sort of moves into a different topic. So if, a, if a, a person or a company that you don't typically interact with is filling up your feed a little bit, uh, consider moving them over to a list. So far together, we've been spending a lot of time in the browser managing Facebook and Twitter and, and using those as proxies for all other types of social media and also talked about email. But before we move to our next break, I want to move quickly, quickly to talking about the web browser itself. Browsers have evolved a lot over the years, and these days, just go ahead, open any browser and use its default settings. It's not only going to have a search bar, but it's also going to have the most recently visited sites. And it's going to have a news feed. And it's going to have potentially an image. And it's going to have all of these things. Maybe even serve as almost a full front page to an old school newspaper style, style layout. You may have customized and even specifically asked your browser to put this information on a blank tab or, or in the browser as soon as you open up a new window. The caution here is... I'd almost ask you to go in if you are getting distracted by these things and change your settings to show a blank homepage only. 
or choosing some type of a website as your as your homepage that maybe something like Google that really doesn't have a lot going on and is focused on what you're there to accomplish and in the case of Google a search now even the problem with Google or, or there is a problem with Google rather and that is their animations and their doodles and their account management on the upper right hand side so many things to get distracted with uh, you know, least of all are all of these um, bars that that browsers are scrolling across when you're in a competing browser saying, hey, try our browser instead for a better experience, right? We can all call BS on that, but these distractions are increasing and increasing and increasing, whether you're using Chrome, Firefox, Edge, Opera, whatever, we all know that this, uh, this uh, market segment has evolved over time and is much more distracting. If you're like me, you can open a web browser and start sifting through the news stories that it's, it's um, sort of popping up by default of what's timely and end up wasting an entire hour. My suggestion here, if you're like me and that happens, set your browser to open to a blank page by default. No news stories, no search bar, just use the actual address bar if you need that. Absolutely nothing. This gives you no opportunity to be pulled away. Having Google or Bing or Yahoo or any other site like that pop up as the default homepage can quite frankly be dangerous when it comes to productivity. News, animations, feature announcements, all of this can become so overwhelming. And finally, in a web browser, I almost hate to say this because I held out for years and years and years believing in the, the free marketability of the web, of the wild west nature of the web that I oh so fondly grew up with. In the 1990s, as the web began to be commercialized, you know, I, I wasn't holding out. I was okay with the commercialization. I love to see it. I love to see that people are making their entire livelihoods on the web. But ad blockers, it seems these days, have become almost a necessity. Not only because perfectly legitimate sites are displaying completely inappropriate advertisements and I don't mean content inappropriate I mean technologically inappropriate advertisements ads that bog down uh, a page's content that bog down the load time that slow down your productivity and what you're trying to do I understand and support advertising in a lot of cases but when it comes to impacting my workflow not just trying to do some interruption marketing that's still okay we're used to it not just in trying to put some content out there and try a content marketing strategy, but actually degrading the performance of the service that I'm interacting with, that is not okay. So for the first time ever, I am actually moving to my recommendations list the use of an ad blocker. Pains me to do so, but I have to. Let's take a short break and we'll come back and we'll talk about a sort of a rapid fire list of other things you can do outside of email and social media, uh, sometimes even in the real world. I'll be back in just a few. To conclude today, I want to go into this rapid fire section about things we can do uh, sometimes in the real world, sometimes still on our devices to limit distraction and the hopeful 
hopeful outcome of all of this is the increase of productivity because that's what's most central to the focus of our show here in multimedia. But I also, deep in my heart, have another outcome I'd like to see. I'd like to see quality of life improve. Productivity for productivity's sake is nice, but it truly needs to lead to somewhere. So how can we do this? Here's some general tips, tricks, recommendations, suggestions, and otherwise annoyances from me to help you try to get a control or a level of control over your digital distractions. So let's start with video game and set-top consoles. First of all, take some time out. Um, Everything we've talked about today so far in this episode takes some management time. You really have to carve time out. So I'm going to suggest that you take some time out, look at your video game consoles, look at your set-top consoles, and make sure they are all up-to-date. The software and the firmware need to be up-to-date. Updates, uh, oh, they are so commonly interrupting us these days, and they interrupt not only our productivity, but our living. The last thing you want to do after being at work and being interrupted nonstop while trying to get things done is to go home and try to unwind, to spend some time with your family, to maybe watch a TV show that everybody's involved with or, or play a video game, and have that interrupted because of an update. So if possible, set all of your updates to automatically download based on a regular release cycle. So if we're talking about a computer, if we're talking about, let's say, an Xbox, um, since it's based on Windows 10 now, either the regular release or security releases only, and have these updates installed during down hours, hours that you are not likely to be using the device. No beta program, no insider program. If you don't have down hours, this applies back more to the office maybe than at home. If you don't have down hours in a situation, Build those down hours in. Take control and schedule them. Have redundant devices, whatever you need to do. Put it on somebody's task list. Put it on as a part of their job requirement that every so many weeks or every so many months they are to cycle through the equipment and make sure this is happening, that all the update software and firmware are happening. If we're talking mission-critical systems, ooh, definitely don't have them, uh, don't take the previous advice and have them update uh, systems and down hours because you don't have down hours in most cases. There are there are non-24-7 critical systems, but that's a different story. Uh, tell the updates to not install, period, and then just, again, go back to the previous recommendation and build in down hours. So take a look at your devices, make sure they're up to date. For security systems, now let's transition back to home a little bit. Security systems, Wi-Fi, so maybe you have Wi-Fi cameras, thermostats, doorbells, appliances, weather centers, whatever. Manage your notifications for these, Uh, especially the Wi-Fi and network-connected devices. They love to give you notifications and keep you constantly interacting with this thing, especially if they have a thriving ecosystem that can get you to procure more software or more products. Right, so manage your notifications, and if you truly don't need a notification for something, shut it off. Manage the uh, local output as well. So maybe you have a thermostat um, and it beeps at you, or more accurately, and I see this in a or hear this rather in a lot of work I get from students. I hear security systems that are nonstop beeping. Fix that beeping. Make it stop. Beeps, buzzes, chimes. All of these things serve to distract us. Just like we talked about before for video games, set-top consoles, and computers that are running maybe a media server in your house, schedule maintenance on these household um, Wi-Fi and internet devices. Schedule them just like you would um, a household chore or an office chore. Perform battery tests. 
uh, every couple of months. The idea still is gaining control back. Recycle the batteries and replace the batteries on your schedule. Don't wait for the smoke alarm to beep at you. Don't wait for the security system to start beeping at you. Address the problem on a regular interval. Occasionally, yes, some things are going to fall through the crack, but try to get back as much of that control as possible by doing regularly regularly scheduled maintenance and inspection. TVs, big thing about TVs. TVs are set to turn on to a particular channel because of set-top boxes, because of different types of um, uh, IPTV and cable services. They're set to turn to a particular channel by default. Now, here in Central Florida, using uh, what used to be Bright House and has moved over to, I think they're calling it Spectrum or something like that, in the Tampa Bay area, we have a channel called Bay News 9. It's a local news station, just like um, most people are familiar with New York One, whether they live there or not. Exact same company, exact same style. Uh, But we have Bay News 9, and over in the Orlando area, they have Central Florida News 13. When you turn your television and cable box on, that's the channel that the cable box defaults to. Now, local news is probably not that disruptive, but if anybody you know lives in the Central Florida area and uses Bay News or watches Bay News 9 and Central Florida News 13, we all have similar stories. And whether you have those channels or not, you can relate to this topic of turning on the television. It turns to its default channel. An hour or two or three later, you're still watching that channel and thinking, wait a second, didn't I turn this on to watch the, you know, last night's episode of whatever else? Complete time suck. Don't let it happen. Choose the channel that you want by default. For me, I do leave it to the default. I'm in the Tampa Bay market, so I leave um, my cable box to Bay News 9. But I got a couple of other suggestions for you. What about switching it to TV Guide? Switch it to something that really you're either likely to need to use immediately when you turn the television on or that you absolutely don't need and cannot wait to turn off. And for most people, that's that TV guide channel. You either want to look at it or you're going to use your digital guide services and can't wait to get that off of your screen. A couple more things here, just really quickly. Limit the number of intelligent devices you have. You know, smart devices come not only with an intelligence requirement for you to operate them, but we all have that. We're all business people. We're all smart and intelligent. We know how to run these devices. But what we forget a lot of times is that these devices come with time requirements. If you don't have a lot of time to dedicate towards managing and updating and fixing and repairing and upgrading, then limit the number of devices that you have. So, for instance, if you want your air conditioner or heat set at a particular temperature all the time, why in the world would you go get some smart Wi-Fi-enabled programmable touchscreen thermostat. I mean, the only reason at that point is to show off or to spend money and feel better about yourself or some really trivial, non-productivity, non-justifiable reason. Sure, it's pretty, it's sleek, it looks good, but it's not a focal point of your life or your productivity. Something like that really needs to fade into the background. If you install or utilize some type of a smart device and are not dedicating time to its maintenance and upgrades and all of that, it becomes not just a waste of money, but it becomes a potential literal security threat, a vulnerability for your home or office network. If you're not dedicating to the firmware and software updates, you're creating security vulnerabilities. Last thing, read a book or go out to a no-frills park and play. Pick up a uh, or start a pickup game. Play with your kids. Talk to your neighbors and say, hey, you want to pick up a game of football, frisbee, baseball, whatever. Now, this may sound odd coming from the host of a show called Multi New Media. 
but you have to disconnect from electronic, audiovisual, and multimedia sources sometime. Pick up a real, physical, printed book, not a magazine, because you need to truly immerse yourself. Fiction or nonfiction doesn't matter, but pick up a book, something in-depth, something detailed, or go aimlessly wander a park, a walking trail. Like I mentioned, start a pickup game of some sport that you like. That can be in your backyard with your own family, with your neighbors. It can be out at a real park with, with people you've never even met before. The idea is immerse yourself. Don't worry about why you're doing it or what you're getting out of it. I guarantee you, you'll get something out of it. Relaxation, lower blood pressure maybe. I'm not a doctor, but hey, let's go for it. All of these types of things, we, we know that they're good for us, but don't worry about that part. Just do it for the sake of doing it. It lets you decompress. If you feel a bit antsy or nervous or you can't stop thinking about all of the things you have to do when you pick up a book or start playing a game or just go outside and take a walk, I want to put a very serious idea in your mind that may be the case. It could be that you're experiencing withdrawal from an addiction to an input that you didn't even know you were addicted to. Computer addiction, video game addiction, we know these things exist. But a lot of times we don't think of it in terms of being a workaholic, being addicted to opening up spreadsheets and constantly being immersed in that environment or in web development or in programming. Really decompress. So at the end of this episode, I've got some homework for you. Even though you're not one of my students, I have homework for you. Pick up a book, go outside, take a walk, and then come back next week or in the case of our recent hiatus in a couple of weeks and we'll be back with episode 50. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.